Hilary Russo is an award-winning television journalist, producer, and multimedia host. She is also a certified holistic health coach with the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, a certified havening techniques practitioner, and the host of the Holistically Speaking podcast. We'll ask her about all of that and more on today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Hilary Russo, welcome. It's so exciting to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Doug, it's always a pleasure to share space with you. Oh, thanks so much. So you have, like, you're such a slacker. I bet you when people... When you see guys in your high school reunion and stuff like, so uh, when are you going to do something with your life, Hillary? I mean, what? you're an award-winning television journalist, you're a producer, you've got your own podcast, you're a certified health coach, you're a havening techniques practitioner. I mean, like what else? What? what you know, the, the struggle is real. <laughs> I, I just, I, I need to do something with my life. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And my mother's very disappointed. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's been a journey. That's for sure. It's definitely a journey. And, you know, when I've talked to people that uh, look at, I mean, my resume of work, if that's what you want to call it, a lot of times people are like, oh, you've changed careers. I'm like, no, actually, I haven't. I've added to, you know, I, I'm still a journalist. Yeah. And I'm, and, and I'm focusing on health and wellness and bringing in different modalities and different approaches now that I have private practice. And to me, it's, it's no different because as a journalist, you are, you are listening, actively listening to those that you have conversations with for stories. Mm. And it's no different than having clients and they're sharing their stories. It's just that something's in a more intimate private setting rather than sharing it with the masses and media. Right. So t- tell me, how, how did you start in Because you literally are, have been on television for like, 20 years or something like that, right? Yeah, I've been in TV since I was in college. So what, a year or two? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, longer, yeah. yeah oh, over 25 years I've been in this business in, as a journalist, as a TV anchor, news producer, reporter, correspondent, host, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, I've done it all. I do it all. And uh, I started doing that while I was in college. You know, I worked for a I was an intern at the station near where I went to school in Dallas, Texas at SMU, go ponies. And I interned there. And from there, you know, kind of moved around to different internships and then just nailed my first morning news anchor and reporter job. So small wow. market life back then when, when, before there was cable. <laughs> and goodness, then, when I was looking at your website, thinking, okay, um, let's find out a little bit about this person. It's like, Oh my God, you're, you've been a, was it QVC or like a host? Yeah. Yeah. I'm one of the, they have the regular program hosts that work for QVC that you see regularly. And then they have folks like me that they call the, you know, guest experts or guest hosts where we come in and we represent different products. So mm-hmm. I've been doing that since I moved back to New York. You know, I'm from New York originally. I moved away for college, moved away, moving around, working in television. And when I came back here, I'm like, huh, you know, I already worked for PBS kind of you know, as a travel correspondent for one of their shows. 
and I do all the pledge drives. And really, QVC is no different from doing a pledge drive, except the difference is with PBS, you're you're asking for generous contributions from viewers like you, and you'll get this fabulous John Denver box set. You know, it's no different from that than QVC, which is more you're you are purchasing product, and you are sharing with your viewers how this product can change their lives. So you know, it was a totally different beast when I got picked up by a couple of different, uh, different companies that wanted me to represent their products. My first one being Westinghouse Solar Lighting, which I had a great relationship with them when I first started with QVC. I mean, I got thrown to the wolves there. It's a different beast than any other media broadcast outlet. But the interesting thing about that was that I was living in New York City on a, in a third story walk up brownstone, I had a back porch, but my back porch suddenly looked like Times Square because I was testing out all these solar lights. <laughs> like, so I didn't have a yard to have solar lighting, but I, I sure had a lot of friends and family that benefited from me using their yards, you know? So, and then I moved into health and wellness there. So uh, being in that division where I feel most comfortable, you know, uh, I'm able to share different products where it helps people live healthy and and because that's where i am in my life is the yeah. holistic living holistically speaking it's just, it's just so, so remarkable to see all the things you've done i mean you even on a like was it was it called the daily burn something where you're doing yeah. exercises on you know it, what's interesting about that doug is that that kind of propelled me into moving into the space of coaching and and practitioner work. I had been doing television for years, as you know, and always something in the back of my head said, you know, there's always always that question you're like, that you get, if you could be anything else other than what you're doing, what would it be? You know, you have those two careers. Mm -hmm. And I always would say, oh, I would have been a lawyer or I would have been a therapist. And those two things were so close to me because I love to debate, (laughs) as my father, who was an attorney, used to say. And and I love justice for people. So mm-hmm. I knew the lawyer part and just the, the acting of being on in front of people in trial, because I mean, my background's acting as well, mm-hmm. uh, had a pretty good career as a professional actor as well. Uh, I knew that was part of me, but then I always held space for people to, people always feel comfortable talking to me. And I've always held space for people to share their upsets and how can I support you? You know, this was just kind of innate and people would be like, gosh, you, you should totally be a therapist. And I'm like, well, that means going back to school and stuff. And I've already had my master's and I did the school thing, but I did look into it. And what Daily Burn did was it opened the door for me to really think hard about how can I support people on their wellness and health journeys. For, for because, people that know, just describe what yeah. Daily Burn is. So what Daily Burn is, is it's a live streaming fitness show. And I was cast on the show back in 2015. So basically, it's almost like one of your morning shows, like a Today Show or or you know any of those shows that you see that there's a host. And what happens is is that the host will introduce the show. We work out for a half hour. It's a half hour total body workout, but then there's an element of a chat, a live chat. There is a community. There's a support group. We have guests that come on that are in the health and wellness field. And from doing that and being very active in the community and people coming to get to know me, see me every day on set as, as a, a member of the uh, class 
classroom studio. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I wasn't a trainer and also filled in as a, a host. Uh, people really came to know me and asking questions. And I just felt like I wanted to support them on their journey. I battled, I battled weight and, and issues as a kid. I even went to like Weight Watchers camp that we called fat camp. I mean, we mm-hmm. called it fat camp. In fact, it was a TV show for a while called Fat Camp. Yeah, that was that. Yeah, yeah. that was my camp, by the way, in oh, Lackawaxen, really? Pennsylvania. Uh-huh. Yes, it was called Camp Colang, and we called it Lack of Action because there was nothing going on there, um, except you know, fun activities at a camp that just kind of monitored your weight and your wellness. So, knowing that from Daily Burn, it kind of propelled me into how can I make this more for me, and I wound up getting certified at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which is the biggest health coaching institute and school in the world, which coincidentally, they had hired me two years prior to be one of their online educators. So when I wound up going to the online school to get certified at IAN, some of the modules I was watching myself (laughs) (laughs) because I'm (laughs) one of their online educators still. And I knew even when I did that, I would be, I walked into that space when I was recording a number of the modules. I'm like, I'm going to come back here somehow. How am I going to come back to IAN? And it just kind of naturally happened. And I wound up getting certified and from daily burn, getting certified on IAN, I found havening as well. And again, these things just kept falling in my lap so organically. It was just so beautifully I certainly happening. I hope you passed those set modules that you were the teacher for. Right? <laughs> right. I'm like, wait a minute. Do I still have the scripts on these? Is that considered <laughs> cheating? <laughs> I did have the scripts, You're but it didn't make a difference. Have, it was, you, have to you ask know, lawyer about that. Yeah. Um, right. So, <laughs> so then I moved into the havening realm because daily burn, which I'm still on, by the way, I'm still on the live streaming show. Uh, are they still we, doing it right now? They are. We're, we're oh. doing it a little differently. I mean, I've, I've gone into the city maybe once or twice to record a couple episodes with them, but it's so, it's so compliant. I mean, there's only three of us on set. There's the host, the trainer, and then one, uh, one class member, which would be me or somebody else from our, Mm -hmm. our group and everyone's in masks and you are more than six feet apart on the set. And then you leave, like it's no hanging around, chumming around with your friends from daily burn. It is in and out and very well structured. So I shot a number of episodes a couple months ago and now they're running on rotation um, because they're taking a break there, but Mm -hmm. it's all new content every day. It's new, new workouts every day. And it's a, it's a family, it's my tribe. So Mm. it, it allowed me to move into the world of seeing that we are a community and we can really help each other in health and healing by being supportive. And that's kind of what brought me to being a, a coach and then a practitioner of Havening. That's really interesting. Just as an aside real quickly, I, I, I just want to say this, the, um, the idea of being a, a lawyer because you <laughs> like justice um, is curious. I, my dad was a lawyer also. And many, 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 many years ago, I had a girlfriend like back in the 80s whose whose father was a, a professor of criminal justice. And I thought it'd be a kind of a good way to get rapport with this guy. You know, and I said, oh, my my father's a lawyer. And the guy looks at me like with this stern look on his face and goes, there is absolutely no correlation between justice and being a lawyer. <laughs> Sounds so like like Orson Welles movie-ish. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, oh, I can just sorry. see him standing there looking over you in like black and white film noir saying that. 
Uh, I, my dad was a criminal defense attorney and my father was also an assistant DA in New York city under the infamous Frank Hogan. So I was always around the law and I loved it. And I loved looking in his old files and like hearing the stories. Cause my, you know, he was, he was a seeker of justice. My father was very fair. Um, he was actually asked to, to take a seat in, in one of the, the, um, as appointed judge. And, uh, he turned it down actually when I was young, cause he wanted me to have, I think we would have had to move to the city. And I don't think my mom and dad wanted me to live in New York city. They wanted me to have more of a suburban life. So he, he didn't take that, um, seat and chose to just help people in criminal defense, you know, being an mm. attorney, but he also, talked me out of going to law school, believe it or not. Really? Because when I got my master's, I wanted to go for, no, it was before my master's. I'm sorry. So when I was working, (laughs) when I was an intern in Dallas at KXAS, Channel 5 News, uh, my senior year of college, that's when OJ Simpson happened. Mm. And I was that kid in the back room before there was like internet and Twitter and all this stuff that makes life sometimes crazy. I was in the back uh, taking notes on every voicemail message that came on the the call line for the for OJ and Jerry Spence, who was like a famous yeah. uh, lawyer, like with his fringe jacket and his yeah. long hair. Oh. He would come into our studio all the time, and I was fascinated by him. He was such a nice guy too. And it fascinated me along with my dad and then seeing that. And I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to do something. I want to change the world. And I probably would have been the poorest lawyer in the world too. Cause I probably would have wanted to be like an ACLU lawyer, <laughs> <laughs> but my dad told me, cause I was watching the case on TV and, you know, Marsha Clark and Johnny Cochran and all them. I was fascinated. And he's like, unless you want to practice law and you're serious about this, like, it's not like all what you see on TV. Cause my whole thought was, I want to be a legal analyst. I want to be on TV and be the person they always call and talk to. And, you know, he's like, you got to do the the grind before you get to that part, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, and look, I'm, it was probably the smartest choice I made because at the time after college, I was living in Louisiana cause it was where my first TV job was. And I was like, do I want to continue and go to law school? And there weren't really any law schools around where I was. So I wound up just going to get a master's and focusing on business law and industrial organizational psychology, which fascinated me as well. Like mind uh, the behavioral side of things in the workplace. Uh, so I'm not disappointed that didn't happen because, mm-hmm. you know, the thing is, Doug, I have so many friends and family that went to law school and aren't practicing. Like they just got their GED. And then I have some really successful, like two of my closest girlfriends are lawyers and they are killing it out there, you know, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. They spend most of their time like in a dark room by themselves reading stuff. Paperwork. Yeah. Lots of paperwork. paperwork. (laughs) Yeah. It's um, not all being Let me ask you about coaching. Yeah. So you know what I actually do. (laughs) (laughs) Not the pipe dream. (laughs) Certified holistic health coach. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you apply that? What do you do with people? So with the integrative nutrition health coaching that I do and what what I do is I I support people. I empower 
those purpose-driven minds that might be struggling in a certain area of their lives. You know, maybe they found out from the doctor that they have high blood pressure or they're diabetic. And the thing about medicine, as I've learned from working very closely with a number of doctors, especially those in integrative health and functional nutrition, functional medicine rather, is that there is no nutrition that is taught in medical school. They don't teach nutrition classes. Mm. So doctors aren't really taught about nutrition. Now, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. But what I do is I guide people once they have a change. So if somebody comes to me and says, I just found out I'm diabetic. I have to cut out. Uh, I have to bring my carbs down to this level. I saw a dietitian and a nutritionist who gave me what I need to do, but I need support. That's where I come in. I'm like, cool, let's do this. But it's not even about putting them on a plan. I don't even like to really do that. What it is, is about what's really blocking you in your life. Like, why are you overeating or why are you suffering from uh, dealing with, uh, you know, I, I use food as comfort. Uh, why do you use food as comfort? What's blocking you? Does that go back to something in childhood? Is it, you know, is it a control thing? I totally get it. My dad was sick my entire life, Doug, with diabetes. Mm. And I knew my control was like, I could, the only thing I could control since I couldn't control his health was my own. And my vice was always to like, sneak the food I never had in the house. So, which led to the fat camp, you know, mm. but I, I know that it's not really about the food or the changes. It's about something deeper, which is where the beauty of the havening comes into play as well, but also letting people know that they're not alone in the battle. You know, your, your upsets are valid. What you're sharing with me, I imagine it's difficult to change the way that you're living your life. And suddenly you're told you need to make another change and you don't even know how to start. I'm here to empower you, to let you know it's possible it can happen and you're not doing it alone. And we might even share some very, we might even share some similarities about what you're struggling with that I can share with you knowing either I went through it or I have a client that went through it. Mm -hmm. It might not be the same story, but you have the ability to change the narrative, you know? And that's so. you just touched on something I really want to ask you about. So there's two things that are like, which one do I ask about? So yeah. I'm going to ask both and then you can decide how to answer. Um, you've talked about the havening techniques a couple of times, obviously, I know what that is, and I'm not sure that all of our listeners yeah. do. So um, describe what that is. I know I could do that as well. It's a psychosensory therapy that involves touch, either self-applied or applied by the, the practitioner. Of course, these days, it's mostly self-applied by the, the person mm -hmm. doing the process. Um, I'm going to let you talk more about that and how you apply that to what you do. And also, I want to know about this changing the narrative thing. I, I noticed yeah. on your... On your website that you, you help people um, transform traumas into triumphs through holistic living and storytelling. So yeah. I'm very interested in storytelling. It's sure. part of my life, really. Um, so I wonder, how, I wonder how you use those things. Yeah, it's part of everyone's life. I mean, we all have a story. We, every story on this planet is valid. And I think what's really beautiful is that we have the ability to share that. And if something about our story is blocking us from living powerfully, we have the ability to change the narrative. I'm a storyteller. I've been a journalist since I, for, forever, probably, because I was, you know, if it wasn't as a professional, even when I was younger, I was in theater, that's a story, writer, poet, all the things that I do are part of the story I tell. And where I like to integrate those two things together is that 
I'm holding space for my clients to share their stories. And if something in their story is not sitting well and it's blocking them, what is it that's causing that block so that we can empower you to change the narrative? Is it because um, something happened to you when you were a child? Is it a trauma that happened to you later in life? Look, part of the reason I went into this field is because I dealt with three rather large traumas in my life that I never really dealt with. And it wasn't until I faced them and real, and first I, I was aware of them. And then I'm allowing for the, the ability to know that I can change. And then I'm aligning with the change. So those are my triple A's, you know, the awareness, the uh, allowance and the alignment. And from that, you know, you have to be aware of it first. You have to be open because I think, you know, as a coach, and practitioner, a lot of times you might get people that come to you and be like, Hey, my boyfriend is having a problem. I really want them to talk to you. And it's like that boyfriend needs to be the one that is open to this and allowing that you can't force therapeutic means on anyone else. Don't, don't do that. Like let that person know that it exists and and nurture them to be able to, to know that there are ways, but, but, when, you know, it's the push pull theory that which you persist resists. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, be, be open to it. And, and once somebody's in the, an allowance with it and they will become more aligned, but they have to be aware first. So, you know, the storytelling is you realizing you are aware that you have a powerful story that you have the ability to change the narrative. And that doesn't mean ignoring everything that happened in your past. That means you don't have to live with it. Cause so I'm sure your listeners out there, there are people that think, Oh, well, you know, I had a bad upbringing. So it's just like, this is just a part of who I am. This is what I have to live with. Or, Oh, I was heavy my whole life. I mean, this, I'm just a fat kid. That's mm, like, that's dumb. my life. These are the stories you're telling yourself, but what's blocking you. There's something blocking you that can allow you to change that narrative. And by holistically taking different approaches and finding balance, because holistic means wholeness, the whole body, we can get to the source and find out what that is, the root of the problem and, and give you the tools, you the tools, because nobody heals anyone else. You know, they call us healers, right? But in my mind, we don't heal anyone. We give people the tools to heal themselves. Right you have that ability to change the narrative once you understand the source, you know? So. Yeah. And how does havening tell us, tell us a little bit about what havening is just for people that don't know in case there's anyone out there who doesn't know. And um, how do you integrate that into your. Yeah. It's definitely an approach that I am so closely connected to, and I'm so happy it came into my life uh, and by accident too, which is a whole nother story if we have time, but I, I use havening pretty much in every session. And I thought my work as a health coach would just be integrative nutrition. I'm going to focus on people that need, have health issues in with eating and over. No, it's, I find that the havening is my main focus because I use it every day. I don't just use it with my clients. I use it every day. And what it is, like you had mentioned, it's a psychosensory approach that uses the havening touch, which is, you know, three different areas of the body that you can use it on your arms, 
like you're giving yourself a hug, your hands, like you're washing your hands, which we're doing plenty of right now. <laughs> and if you're comfortable uh, areas of your face, since there's so many nerves in your face, that's actually my favorite place. That's like giving yourself a lovely facial. And those three touches, which you can use all or one or two of them, there's no one that is, uh, needs, you don't follow protocol with that, that along with pleasant distractions, which could be, you know, thinking of a lovely place that you like to go a a vacation spot or, or just, you know, a room that makes you feel at ease, something that brings you joy, a song or humming a tune, anything like that is a pleasant distraction. So with the pleasant distraction, along with the havening touch, you are, putting your brain in what they call a delta wave state, which is, as you know, is a very slow moving brain waves in the brain. It releases those happy chemicals, I love to call them, which is the oxytocin, the serotonin, and the dopamine. And in that place, in that rapid response, you are basically hugging and nurturing what we love to call in the Havening community, Amy, who is your amygdala. Amy loves to go to fight or flight mode. And you're, you're, you're making your, you're saying, Amy, hey girl, it's okay. It's good. You're good. You're safe. You're all right. You're haven. You're in your haven. And that's where the beauty of things happen. Um, When people ask me how that works, though, Doug, like when people say, I don't get it, you know, how does that even work? Without getting all into the, the neuroscience of it, I think the best way to explain it is this. If you get into a, a car accident, right? And every time you pass that location, your heart starts pumping, your hands start getting clammy. You're just like, get me through this intersection, please. But you have no other alternative, but to always go through this intersection. Um, when, if, if you think of it almost like a Jack in the box, you know, every time you use that Jack in the box and it's like, right. The same spot every time you know that Jack comes out, pop goes the weasel. It's the same. We know it happens, but we still jump, right? So what havening is kind of like, havening is almost like the wire cutters that releases the tension wire in that that Jack popping out of the box. And it kind of just, it still comes out. It's still present. These things still happen, but it doesn't scare the crap out of you, you know? So... That's a really good way of explaining havening is almost like it's the cutters in a way that right. allows the box to still open. The, the accident still happened, but you're not living through the trauma and the upset and the trigger of that, that thing popping out at you every time. Rather, it's kind of like, all right, this happened. Does it mean it's going to happen again? No, I'm a safe right. driver. I am, I am, I'm around people that drive safely. I create a safe space. I'm in a very safe car, my vehicle. I control this narrative. I changed the narrative right there. Right. And yeah. that's what and I That mean. is the amazing thing about doing Haven with people or doing it for yourself is that a lot of times that narrative, as you say, kind of spontaneously changes. You know, it's, it's yeah. like it, it changes itself. I remember the first time I ever saw a demonstration of Havening, um, the woman that was being Havened had survived the attacks and, 9-11. And when the havener, I think is Dr. Rudin, although I think actually it might have been Paul McKenna. I was going to say, it might have been you. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. It was, uh, I was just oh, okay. the first time I saw a demonstration being done. Um, I think it's Paul McKenna. Love Paul. Yeah, yeah, he's great. The, but the, as soon as he asked her, like, what happened on 9-11, it was like you said, it was the jack of the box popped out and she was like full-blown back in the building. I mean, she was 
there. She was back in the building again. It was as big as a trauma as I've ever witnessed mm-hmm. you know, a person mm-hmm. go through. Um, and, and, and she was describing it as if she was there. She was, she was in the first person said, I'm, I'm standing at the ATM and I'm, you know, um, and afterwards, after the evening session, which honestly was not long, like a 20 minute session with Paul, um, she was calm as anything. And uh, looked like a different person. She was just like, you know, settled back in her chair, calm as anything. And when he asked her, so what happened on 9-11? By the way, the trauma uh, on a scale of zero to 10 had gone from a 10 down to a zero. Holy moly. Amazing. Um, Mm. But then when he asked her, so what happened on 9-11? She said, well, I remember that I was standing at an ATM. And now she's talking in the past tense. You know, I was at the ATM. And she's she's pointing, she's indicating like over to her right side, like over there as if it was, I'm no longer in the building. This is now I'm looking at a TV screen of this image over there. So like you said, the Jack in the box, you know, still can come out. I still see this thing happened, but not affected by it at all. And so it's, it's a remarkable thing. So it, is. it does yeah. sort of spontaneously change the narrative, right? That's her narrative. Definitely. Has, has changed. And, and I could say, the reason why I am a practitioner today is because my first havening experience was with Dr. Ron Rudin. Mm. Uh, when I came to that f- workshop that weekend and said, eh, let's see what this is about. And, you know, I was asked if I wanted to do it or I volunteered to do a demo. My demo, I mean, my havening session on that stage in front of people that I didn't know from mm. Adam was about the death of my father who mm-hmm. died 18 years ago. And, you know, at this time it was a couple of years prior to this, but uh, I had never really been able to get over that upset, constantly putting myself where I feel it in my chest. Every time I would talk about my dad, my dad died of a massive heart attack on the streets of New York, right near Schubert alley. Mm. And um, I always kind of felt like the mortality of my father would come at some point because he was a severe diabetic. And I dealt with, with my father's illness, my whole life spent so much time in hospital waiting rooms for my dad with whatever he was going through. So the trauma of, it wasn't just the death. It was my father's life too. Mm. And I, in the, I don't even know how long I was up there. I got to be honest to this day, I have to ask other people because it felt like, and you're not in a trance. It's just like, you're in the moment. But when Dr. Rudin, Dr. Ron did that with me afterwards, I was kind of like, wait, okay. And I try, and I have to say for like three days, maybe even longer, I tried to create upset. (laughs) I tried to create myself in a moment where I was like thinking about my father, where I would force myself to cry. And I couldn't. Not that I don't feel the emotions, but I look at it differently now. Like I'm like, my dad and I lived a really beautiful life together. I had him for 29 years. He was such a great dad. And I was angry at him about things like not taking care of his health. So it it took me further, not just the death of, but what was it that was holding, what was the story I was telling myself about my dad's passing and my dad's life and my dad's relationship with me. And the havening allowed me to see and doing more havening after on my own, um, th- that I could change the narrative about that loss. My father was still my father. Right. And I have beautiful stories to tell. So sometimes I get a little teary eyed, but it's more like tears of joy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. 
And that first instance was like, sign me up. How can I help others in their healing? And how can I help myself more? Because it's, it is a, a practice that we can do in ourselves for those little upsets. Mm-hmm. But when the big upsets arise, that's when you can have the guidance of, of a practitioner, which I still do to this day, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So it's powerful stuff. It's powerful <laughs> stuff. And one of the great things about havening, of course, is that it can, as they like to say, bolt on to whatever kind of practitioner you are, you know, whether yeah. you're an NLP person or a traditional therapist or LCSW or a, yeah. a hypnotist or health coach, whatever you might be, you can add havening into that and it, it enhances it. It makes it better. You don't have to just be a havening practitioner. Yeah, you have to find you have to find where it works. Like sometimes I'll use certain methods other mm-hmm. than havening or with havening, you know. Okay, of course. <clears throat> so when people come to you, do do people come to you for health specifically? Is it because you are a certified health coach? Is that what they're coming to you for for the most part? I got to be honest. People mainly come to me for havening. Oh, do they? They do. Yeah, but within the havening, they tell me. You know, I always ask, I, I always ask them like, what are your three main health concerns? And they'll say, you know, weight loss, resentment, I'm overwhelmed, um, test taking, whatever it is, public speaking. That's a big one I get because I, you know, I'm a broadcaster and I teach on the college level too. I use it with my students in my, in, in college class. I teach it to them before they go do their on camera work. So it it can be used in any. St. John's, is that right? St. John's University? What's that? I teach at St. John's University in the city. So like before, if they feel nervous, I'm like, guys, this is energy, like use it for your advantage, you know? Mm -hmm. So let's bring about that sense of calm and not feel nerves. Don't use the word nerves, but I do have people come to me interested in havening or they're, you know, or just the fact that I, my main, which everything is emotional well-being. um, They come to me because they just, they resonate with my message, which is the storytelling and the holistic living and turning your traumas into triumphs. It's the traumas, the triumphs thing, you know, and they, or they hear my podcast and they are like, wow, I just listened to this really powerful episode with you uh, on holistically speaking. I'm really interested in the kind of work you do. And maybe they don't know that I incorporate havening. And then I share it with them in in my discovery call. And if they choose that they don't want to do that, that's fine. I don't need to use it but it's a powerful tool to incorporate, you know, Mm -hmm. but they're, they're definitely coming to me mainly because they have something that's blocking them from living powerfully. And I have the tactics and the tools to guide you and put the power in your own hands in order to do that. Retrain, restore, and and just revive the way you want to live, you know? Yeah. And what's really wonderful about what you do is also that you are, I think probably because you've come from this, um, background of being a journalist and, and knowing the stories and how to you know tap into the way of telling a story that's going to be impactful on the evening news or or whatever um that you're also really brilliant at branding and, and creating a i mean the holistic approach to healing that you call holistically speaking on your podcast i think that's just great that's a great little branding holistic it, yeah, we're working on that right now. It's amazing. I, I, I'm really excited. Look, I am so giddy when it comes to wordplay. I will, if someone says, does anyone want to play Scrabble? I'm like, pull it out. I also worked for, I worked for Hasbro for two years. And uh, while I was doing, you know, still a journalist, still an actor, early years in New York. And I loved working with Hasbro because they always put me on the word games. So whenever I would do Toy Fair or I got to go to Long Meadow, Massachusetts at Hasbro headquarters to, 
learn whatever they were giving me to, to brand, you know, be their, their uh, representative to talk about it at the international toy fair. I was like, they were like, give Hillary Scrabble, give Hillary Scrabble flash, give Hillary word this, give because I was just like, let's do it. You know? So anything that's wordplay, I get really excited about. And when I, when I see other people using wordplay, because it sticks. So for me, you know, holistically, holistically uh, is really, really something that sticks with people and right. they identify with. And in, fa- in fact, I, I rarely say the word holistic anymore. <laughs> I think I've actually, you're going to see in Webster's dictionary, like the word of the year <laughs> because I use Wouldn't it so much. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it, so tell us a little I, bit about your podcast, holistically speaking. Yeah. Yeah. So basically the podcast is, is exactly what I'm doing with, with clients. It, it's, it's basically, it is uh, empowering conversations with guests of varied expertise that are sharing their transformations from trauma to triumph through health, healing, and humor. That's it in a nutshell. So I'm really so excited to have unbelievable guests share the space with me and give me their time. And it's everything. I mean, I'm starting to get some pretty well-known folks coming on the show that just want to share their modalities or, or what they do. And I do a lot of research too. I think people just want to tell their story, you know, whether they're famous or not. So I, um, the, the podcast is available on all podcast platforms and uh, it, it is really just empowering conversations and it could be a therapist. It could be a, a yoga instructor, a meditation instructor. It could be someone that just went through trauma and has a story to share because we all have stories. I, I can't emphasize that enough. And if it can just touch one person, then it's doing its job. If, if that person telling and sharing their story with me during the podcast, and we laugh because you know what, Doug, humor has to exist in healing. You know, my name in Latin means cheerful and merry, Hillary. Nice. Yeah. I live that. I live that because my, my even... name in, in Scott Scottish means from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's not go down that road of a kind of podcast. Put people, they'll send people to my podcast. That's funny. The Black Lagoon. Okay, Douglas. is that what you just Black Lagoon? Douglas, yes. Oh, Douglas, the Black Lagoon, dun, dun, dun. another <laughs> film noir, noir, but the whole idea is that we have to find the humor in the healing. Humor exists behind the healing. I'm not saying you're, and you rarely when we're in it, do we really feel it? Cause look, I've been through a series of traumas. I was on air during nine 11 as a young news anchor. Oh, wow, really? oh yeah. I remember that it was traumatic. I was tw- oh, yeah. like in my twenties as a young news anchor. And I'm like, what's <sighs> happening? And and I wasn't even in New York at the time. I was away from my family. My entire family was home. I had no idea where anyone was. Wow. In fact, in fact, my dad was supposed to be in the North Tower that day doing a deposition. And his, his meeting got changed because the other attorney was sick. I mean, I would have lost my dad for sure. Right. Right. Um, right. I lost my dad a year later, but still. still yeah. I, there's traumas that happen. I've, I've been in a relationship that that was not a very positive relationship, a toxic relationship. And from that trauma, I have learned how to approach narcissistic abuse and how can I help others that are dealing with that? So it's not just like physical health, you know, I would say more, more if not all, every client I have, there's an emotional element that I have to Mm. deal with. 
and that I'm that we're facing together. Uh, and sometimes that is that trickles down to why you're having problems with your 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 eating or why you feel that you're not healthy or why you do this or why you do that. And you have that ability to change that narrative. Let's just get to the source first. Yeah. No, I think that's really critical because, you know, it's, I've sometimes said in the classes that I teach in NLP, the classes that I teach is like, we all learn from our mistakes, but the question is, what do you learn from your mistakes? You know, like if I learned, oh, geez, you know, other kids, they learn to walk, but I keep falling down. So I, I just, uh, I'm not a walker. I'm just, uh, I've, I've learned, I've learned the hard way that uh, I'm, I'm not a walker. So I'm just going to sit, you know, you, right. we, we, we can learn the wrong things from mistakes. So you need to change the narrative. You need to have a powerful um, story that supports you and that, that says, because of that story that I'm going to now be doing this, um, mm-hmm. not because of this story, I'm just going to quit kind of thing. So it's really yeah. a wonderful approach. Let me ask you this. Um, when it comes to coaching, uh, this is the kind of traditional question I ask all the people on, on my podcast. What, because this is called the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, what do you think is essential for a person to be like truly empowering to their clients, to be a successful coach, to be a good coach, to be a great coach? What, what, what skill or skills are essential for someone to do that? You have to be an active listener. What's that mean? You, that means that you're, you're really, you don't have your questions set up to answer that person back, but you are really sitting in the moment with that person and listening to what they're saying and letting it resonate with you. And this, this goes back to some of the work that I love that uh, Sarah Payton does, uh, who is an unbelievable nonviolent communication a leader and expert adore her but it's it's about resonance and empathy it's sitting there and understanding maybe you haven't gone through what they've gone through but if they are there and witnessing that you're truly listening to them because there's a difference between hearing someone and listening Mm. uh and then your response to them is is in line with what they're sharing because they're being vulnerable and very courageous in that moment to even share it. Even if it's in a closed room with just you and that one person, there's still a courage and and a a vulnerability that you're witnessing and you want to validate that, Mm -hmm. you know? So being witness to that and saying, you know, I imagine, I imagine what you're going through or or I imagine that experience must've felt really heavy, like something on your chest or I I wonder if we, if you looked at it this way, like you're letting them know you really are listening and that active listening is something I've used even before I was coaching. I might've even been coaching and not knowing I was coaching. Maybe Mm. I wasn't a certified coach and I've been coaching my entire life because some of, to some of us, it's very natural and it's sitting and witnessing someone and, and giving them the space to share and not feeling the need to always reply, which is something I teach my students all the time. Shut up. I'm like, listen, (laughs) I make them do like a a two minute exercise where they have to just sit and listen to their partner and not respond because you want to feel empty space. It's uncomfortable. Silence is uncomfortable. But when you sit in silence and when somebody's talking, they're going to feel a little uncomfortable and nine times out of 10, they're going to continue if you just don't say anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah, some, some of the listening. great therapists are basically people that have repeated back to the person what they've just said. Like, yeah. 
that and also, oh, I, I imagine that's hard, you know, and, and not to make it about ourselves. Cause I think in, you know, back in the day and we, I, we've all been through some kind of therapy. I remember having therapists that would just sit there like, how does that feel? Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of times you're re-traumatizing when yeah, exactly. you make someone have to share the story over and over. It's cyclical. I'm like, great, here we go again. I get a, a week of going back to talk about the same damn thing. I mean, it's up to us to do the work too, as the client or the patient, if you're, you know, if you're licensed, uh, but it's up to the practitioner or the therapist, whoever's on the other side to, to engage in some manner. I mean, it, I don't think it's just sitting back and the person's lying on the chaise lounge anymore. And the, the therapist is halfway across the room with a paper and like, Hmm, I see. And you're feeling really uncomfortable. Like, what are they writing down? You know, there is more about us being human and, and sharing a little bit of who we are so that that client feels connection. It, it, connection is another thing that's very important. Connection and trust, uh, yeah, with boundaries, with boundaries. So, you know? okay. So those are four things. Connection, oh, sorry. trust, and boundaries. No, no, that's great. No, no. <laughs> Don't apologize. We want all we can get from you. Yeah. So, so active listening, um, boundaries, trust, and connection. Active listening, trust, and connection. And then within that, as a practitioner, it's our responsibility to have boundaries. Yeah, because... Can you describe what that means? Sure. I mean, and I think we need to do this in our everyday life. And this is something I just had a conversation with, with a friend of mine who's a doctor about creating boundaries. Um, You know, I I consider myself an empath. Yeah, I take in a lot of what other people feel uh, and, and... a lot of times we, we just want to help and we are, we'll do anything to help that person. But if we don't set some kind of a boundary, meaning that we, we need to not share our entire story because this is really about that person's time mm-hmm. and, and it's holding space for them. And how can I support you? But what I mean by boundaries is it's okay for if Doug, you came to me and you said, you know, what, I'm, I'm suffering from this relationship with my, you know, uh, dad or mom or whatever. And, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, I, I had some similar, uh, upsets as well. And I, I can understand that must feel very heavy. I imagine that you're frustrated or well, not to project, but I imagine there are some feelings where Mm -hmm. I know for me was frustration so that they're like, Oh, she gets it, you Mm -hmm. know, rather than, am I just, do I just look like I'm crazy sharing my stuff with this woman? So that's what I mean about being open and connecting boundaries is not sharing your whole story and your whole life with the person. Or when you are not in session, you can't just be in a complete open book for them to be able to always have access to you because we need to, we need to take care of our own mind. My, the one thing I would say is be kind to your mind. Well, that I have to live it other, not just share it. You know, I, I need Mm self-care. I need to step away from work. I can't be on a 24 hour. I mean, if you, if there's something serious, I'm like, we're going to get you help, but you need to know when to step back and and say, this is our time. This is when we're going to share it. If you need, yes, you, you know how to reach out to me, but we also need to take care of ourselves in order to be the most powerful and energetic and mindful practitioner and coach for our clients, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah, absolutely. I would say one thing I do now, especially that I started doing, even with, with friends and family, especially is when I have an upset of my own. And if I'm going to go to someone that knows me well, one of the first things I say to them is, 
do you have the capacity to, 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 I have something I really need to share. And when I call them before I even start, I'll be like, are you emotionally available to, to, to hear this out right now? Because I might be capturing them in a day and then they're like, oh my gosh, Hillary needs me. And I'm, I'm about to lay something on them and they weren't prepared for that. They, they've got the school over here with the kids and everyone's working from home and they're picking this one up at tennis and, you know, I'm making lunch. Like, I don't have the time right now. So I've gotten used to saying whether my emotional bandwidth is available at the moment, you know, yeah, you have to. You yeah. have to. Yeah. 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 Makes me and, a better coach. Yeah, for sure. I, I think a, a coach should have a coach. I think that's one of my yes. sort of standard practices. That, <laughs> you know, you you need to practice the, what you're preaching. You need to practice self-care and take care of yourself. Yes. And, and if coaching is so good, then you should have one too. Yeah. You wouldn't um, go to a dentist that doesn't go to a dentist. Right. <laughs> you, exactly. you know, you gotta take care of yourself. You know? yeah. So, um, last question for you is: yeah. um, if a person is struggling or wanting to be a coach and make a living at as being a coach, uh, what what skills are essential for them to be able to be successful as a business person, as a as an entrepreneur coach? This is such a great question, and I just had this conversation with my latest podcast guest, David Gandelman, who's Meditation School founder. And what I thought we were going to be talking about was just meditation, and we went into this whole conversation about being in the healing arts and being in this this field of coaching and mental health. And you know, there's a lot of imposter syndrome that comes up in this line of work, where we're like huh, I've got my own struggles. Am I good enough to do this? How am I holding space for anyone else when I've got issues? Oh, please. We all have issues. Like, come on. We all have issues. We all have stuff. And that's what makes us beautiful is that we all have stories. And I think the one thing you have to do is realize, are you, are you, what's your purpose? Like, what's your reason for wanting to do this kind of work? Uh, if you're putting the money first, maybe it's reevaluating because you also want to understand, you want to have a better understanding of why you're making this choice to be a health coach, to be, to be a practitioner. Are you doing it because you want to serve others and help others? And making that choice is really an important one for yourself first. You know, do you have the emotional bandwidth to, to realize you're going to be hearing a lot of personal stories? Um, some, People might have difficulty with that and it might be uncomfortable to, to swallow that, you know, and, and that's the other thing. You don't want to swallow it. You're, you've got to think about it as I am here to serve this person. You also, you have to be a good listener. And, you know, the, the aspect that we talked about in, in this latest episode was that being a good business person too, you know, a, a lot of times people that are doing service work, this kind of work where we are entrepreneurs, we really are, unless we're working for like a hospital or a company that's, you know, we, we are seeing more people going into entrepreneurial work now and have a better understanding of what that means. You know, if you just want to help people, that's great. But if you want to make this a business, a thriving business, a successful business, it's not a bad idea to hire a business coach. It's not a bad idea to have an understanding like, do you know what your financial situation will be if you're doing this? It's a good idea to do some research and get out there and have a better understanding of different kinds of modalities and approaches because there are many and you can actually incorporate 
a number of them into your practice. Like if you want to, you know, hypnotherapy or NLP or Havening or Reiki or whatever it is, be mindful of what you're gravitating to, you know, ask the questions because I think when you sit back and you ask the questions, the answers come when you sit in the silence, uh, just jumping and taking a certification program, which is it's, that's a tough topic right now because we're living in a virtual world. There are a lot of things out there where they're offering certification, like in a weekend and suddenly you're certified in this, this, and this, it's like, do you want to be that type of practitioner or coach where you think you're mastering a skill in two days? You know, it, it takes, it takes time and you want to know that you have the time to invest into something like that, because don't forget you're investing in something that's going to serve others in their health and well-being. So this isn't just about you. This is about somebody is putting their trust in you to help them on their journey. Right, right, right. You know? Yeah, it's really very important, you know, to be able to to understand that business is a is another hat you've got to wear. You've got you've got to. you're the one that has to market yourself you're the one that has to put yourself out there and yeah you got to be uh able to do that and and doing the research and asking those questions absolutely important and knowing um you know just because you get certified the world is not going to be the path to your door and say okay i'm here to (laughs) yeah like even my mentors i mean i have a number of mentors within different different modalities and approaches and different people that have helped me. Like I have different business coaches that focus on different things with me. And, um, and some I'm very fortunate are very close friends. So like we help each other out, you know, I have, I have a mastery in one area. They might have a mastery in another. I join a lot of groups. I am in mastermind groups. I'm in uh, with other entrepreneurs so that we can feed off each other and learn. And then, you know, who knows, somebody might be like, Oh wait, Hillary does that thing. I could use that. And I'm, and I'm like, Oh wait, Sally does that thing. I could totally use that. And I think it's just, you know, we've, there's power in numbers. There's power that comes from being in masterminds and groups. And then a lot of that networking stuff. I I network like crazy. I've always been that person that networks and meets people and wants to have conversations. Uh, I'm constantly setting up, Hey, let's have a 30 minute call. Let's talk. Like, what do you got? What you got? You know, I mean, to to the, to the smallest things where it comes to learning how to be more socially interactive uh, on LinkedIn, you know, because I found that to be a great avenue or how to use social media to your advantage, you know. I also noticed on your website, you offer a free. I do. I offer a free I do. I offer a free discovery call, 30 minute session where, you know, we can go over your most important health concerns, those that are concerning you. And that way, when you're walking into that 30 minute call, it's not me asking you those questions. I'm already aware and we can go from there. And you're already saying that I'm willing to make this investment into my health by setting up that call. And then that's where the dance happens. I know another thing that people can emulate they can they can model you and do that for themselves as well they can you know have a free discovery call for their coaching practice i've had people call me that want to learn more and obviously you know i'm not a trainer in the modality of havening i'm not uh, a trainer in integrative nutrition 
Uh, so I would refer them to, if they're interested in classes, I would refer them to who they need to talk to. But if they want to learn more about how to, to empower themselves with their own health, or if they want to use that time to, uh, you know, pick my brain, it's your 30 minutes. You know, I, I offer the discovery call and then I have my regular 30 minute call. But this is a good time. If, if that offering is there and you are feeling that you need support in some area of your life. And if you're ready to take that step to turn that trauma into triumph, to, to learn to restore and revive and retrain yourself and rewrite the narrative from the stories you're telling me or you're telling yourself rather, book the call. Let me help you on that journey. And then we'll see if we align with each other because sometimes people don't. Let's see if we align with each other and how I can support you going further on your healing journey. Because really you can put the power in your own hands. Well, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. Yeah, thank you. Well, that does it for another episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I certainly enjoyed having you here. Hey, if you want more information about Sleight of Mouth, you can find it at EssentialCoachingSkills.com, or you might even check out SleightofMouth.org. That's a nice website, too. Thanks. Stay safe. Stay curious. <laughs>